You're listening to Black and White, Can We Just Talk? from Piedmont International University. Your hosts are University President Charles Pettit, as well as Sheriff and former DEA agent Bobby Kimbrough. Black and White is a program where we take current issues and provide you, the listener, with unique perspectives from two different worlds. Our hosts may not agree on everything, except that friendship and dialogue should never be constricted by societal expectations. Here are your hosts, Bobby Kimbrough and Charles Pettit. Hello, welcome to Can We Just Talk, Black and White, The Weekend Review. This is Bobby. And this is Charles. Glad to be back, Doc. How are things going with you? Uh, it's been an exciting week. Lots of uh, blessings on my side of the table. How about you? It's been a very busy week. It's been a very busy week uh, locally, nationally. want to say hello to all the people out in Tennessee and all over to our listeners. It's been a very exciting week. I've been keeping up with what's going on with the uh, with the economy in terms of uh, certain states opening back up. Talking about... Hey, today's the, huh? We're in North Carolina and today's the day. Today is the day. Is opening back up a few places, phase one, I should say, malls and a few other places with a few restrictions that are opening up. Uh, it's going to be very yep. interesting, you know, how things uh, play out. You know, I don't want to run back out there too soon and uh, set us backwards. But, you know, I've been looking at the newspaper, looking at uh, television, things that are happening around the country. They talked about this being one of the worst economic times throughout uh, the history of this country, uh, talking about uh, the things that have happened. And I just was starting to think about how it has affected so many people differently. You know, I use the analogy of we all in this storm together, but it's affecting us differently. I guess if there's a rainstorm and you live in a straw house and uh, I live in a brick house or vice versa, more than likely I'm going to be affected by the storm a lot differently than you are. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was watching the news and I saw what happened down in Brunswick, Georgia with Mr. Aubrey, uh, the gentleman that lost his life while jogging. Uh, I don't know if yeah, you saw that. You've been keeping up with that story? Happened back in February? I have been. I'm not sure why they needed a uh, a video uh, to get an arrest or to get something moving forward, uh, but they seem to have to wait on that for some reason. No, I think I don't think that they had to wait on the video. They, they've had the video since February, Doc. I think the problem wow. is... Huh? They had to wait for it to be public, I guess. No, 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 no. I think that what happened was, you know, the incident happened in February, and I think that's the power of the people. You know, the the the, the district attorney uh, recused himself from it because the gentleman was an investigator for the courts down there, and I get that. He did the right thing recusing himself from it. But I think that the public pressure, when the people saw the video and the public pressure caused GBI to come in, Georgia Bureau of Investigation to get involved, and then I saw where the arrests were made. And I think that that that, that is why we talk all the time that while we the people for the people, you know, a lot of things happen based on public pressure. Hey, you know, one thing about this one that I, uh, that made me smile a bit. Uh, it's a horrible tragedy. There's nothing to smile about there, but, and you know, it's a horrible murder. But the one thing I noticed is that it seems like all sides of these different pages we're sort of on the same page this time. Conservatives, liberals, left, right, black, white, Republican, Democrat. There was across the board outrage. And I don't care who you like to follow, what you like to read, what group you're associated with. It kind of made me happy that all groups 
equally were outraged and, and making this, you know, forefront in their people's thinking, which uh, is about time. Well, you know, here's what I say is that I think that there's sometimes incidents and situations occur in our country that regardless of how you feel, they touch what is the core of humanity. I don't care what, whether you are liberal, I don't, I, I think that that's irrelevant to me. There are certain issues, whether you're Republican is irrelevant, whether you're Democrat, whether you're black or white, Chinese, Latino, whatever, it does not matter. There are some issues that strike at the core of a human being. And that one right there should strike at the core of a human being. And I think that, you know, I, I looked at how it played out. You know, they said it's, uh, they had had some breakings in a construction site, guy jogging down the street. He's approached by two gentlemen in a pickup truck. And it goes from uh, him being, I guess the suspect or they stopped him. I was trying to figure out, were they the police patrol? What were they the police or what were they? I mean, what gave them the right to well, just, you know, the, huh? It's interesting. I think one of them had been a, a former policeman or something, but evidently, you know, their story, I'm sorry, this is, there's nothing funny about this. I'm just laughing at the, 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 the horrible things about it is when I shouldn't be, but you know, their little story was, that there was a suspect in some burglary somewhere, and for some reason, he was black. You know, I think you're going. I think yeah, I think you're going to have a guess as to what the reason was. That, that you no, know, no, they, no, they no, think no. see now you see now you got you know what the reason was. Come on, don't say we got a guess. I do, but I, I was going to get there in a second. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I mean, interrupt you. Well, you know, they, you know, they they think they're going to make a citizen's arrest, and so you know they're going to jump in their truck and get their guns and chase this guy down and arrest him. Of course, he hasn't done anything wrong. He's out for a jog. And so when a couple of people stop yelling with their guns, hey, we're arresting you or whatever they yelled, he's just going to get out of there. And, of course, they chase him down and try to do it at gunpoint and, and end up killing him instead. Well, Doc, uh, but, yeah, I, that, yes, sir. That, that whole analogy to me is just tomfoolery. Because, right, first fine. of all, first of all, to make a citizen's arrest, you got to see that a crime has been committed in your presence. Only crime oh, he committed was being black and, and running in that neighborhood. No, they didn't That's see no exactly crime right. commit. They just said that they had had breakings in that construction area or in that area. And he was black and he was jogging. They didn't see him commit no crime or do anything wrong. So I, they, oh, lost, they, have, they lost me when I they said this citizen's arrest. Yeah, I don't know how it would have been different, you know, if they had actually seen him committing a crime in their neighborhood or even if it was in their own home. We shouldn't even say still, if they still, seen it, Doc, because they didn't see it. We got to stay with no, the I'm facts. Saying, I'm agreeing with you. I'm okay. saying that even if they had seen it, right. it was, they still shouldn't have done this stupid stuff. Exactly. They didn't even see it, and they did it. You know, I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was shaking to my core when I saw that, that how we just forget that we take things and 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 run with it. I mean, if you felt like that, you could have picked your cell phone up and called the police and say, hey, you know, there's a guy running, whatever. But to jump out your car with a gun, that's just... Exactly. That's just That's foolish. exactly right. And, you know, even if... Let's assume that it was, a you know, a different case. Let's assume that he had actually broken into somebody's house. Uh, even then, you might... You know, you're a sheriff. If it had been me and somebody broke into my house, I might take the chance of driving my car after them while I'm dialing 911 so I can keep an eye on them, maybe, maybe, probably not. I'd probably dial 911 and, uh, you know, if you catch him, you catch him. If you don't, you don't. 
but to actually grab your gun and go after somebody on a street, that's crazy. You know what I have learned, Doc, in my 40 years of working, I don't go down that rabbit hole saying, what if he had done? I take the facts as they happen, right? They didn't see the man do nothing. He hadn't done nothing. He wasn't suspected of doing nothing. All they knew that he was jogging and he was black. Yep. Period. That's all they knew. Yep. They knew nothing That's else it. about him. That's all they knew about that gentleman. And That's at that exactly time, right. they had no reason to interrupt his jog, to interrupt him, period. They had. They didn't even have the authority to stop and question him because they didn't no. see him do anything wrong. So that that whole that whole that whole thing went off track. It went off track when they when they stopped. Period. I mean, if I was jogging down the street in my neighborhood, which is probably ninety five percent different than me, and somebody stopped and jumped out of the truck with a gun, that would be my first reaction. That's a defensive move. Who are you? Yep. What's going on? You know? Yep. No. Absolutely. I think that um, the move would have been what you and I are doing. Can we just talk? You know, can we just amen. talk? You know, I think that so many <laughs> things happen because we fail to communicate. That's the key. Can we just talk? That is exactly right. And so I, uh, you, you probably have several takeaways from this thing that you want to talk about. I have ones I want to talk about too. So I don't know who wants to go first. I want you to go first. You know, you privileged. Go ahead. I'm, I'm the privileged one. So I get to go first. Yeah. That's like my wife, my wife, uh, we, whenever we put out, like if she puts out two cups of coffee and one of them has the amount of cream in it that she likes. And the other that has the cup and the amount I like, <laughs> she always puts mine on the right and hers on the left. And the reason she does that, so I hope she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> the reason she does that, she says, because you're always right. And so I put yours on the right. <laughs> uh, so anyway. Even when you're uh, wrong, you're right. I get it. Go ahead. I, I hope this gets to be edited, <laughs> edited later. But anyway, uh, so in our conversation, I'm privileged, so I get to go first. All right. So the narrative. I want to talk about the storyline that emerged a little bit. and um. And, and and how to get through this, because it feels to me like that these kinds of horrible events usually allow groups to write storylines or write narratives that tend to drive us further apart, even when they're not based on truth, instead of any sort of a narrative that would tend to bring us together. For example, um, the narrative I've heard a little bit is that it seems like that people are saying that this is kind of normal, that white people go around killing black people. Or as LeBron James says, that when you're, you're a black person and you step out of your house, you can just anticipate being hunted down and killed by a white person. Some white person is probably going to hunt you down and shoot you. Is like a, an emerging narrative. Well, first of all, it's not accurate. And secondly, it seems like it just drives us apart. Uh, you know, the opposite is true as well. You know, you got that horrible shooting back in Charleston. Who was the guy? Uh, Dylan. Yeah. Dylan, uh, who uh, goes into a black church and, and shoots people up. Here, here's a kid when he's 15 or something. He, he stumbles across some stuff on the Internet about black on white violence. And he becomes convinced by reading some of this uh, white supremacist website junk that black people go around hunting down, killing white people. 
And it sounded real to him. And he fills himself with hate. And he starts, and they, they found on his internet that he'd searched this and researched this. And so he's got this whole set of thoughts going on in his little teenage head that black people go around hunting down and killing white people. And so he decides he's going to do something about it. And so he goes into this black church and he starts shooting people. Uh, obviously evil. But the whole scenario, the, the, the talking point, the narrative, the storyline, actually isn't accurate. Uh, you're in law enforcement. You know what I'm getting ready to say more than I do. But the truth is white people tend to kill white people. Hispanics kill Hispanics and blacks kill blacks. That's pretty normal. It's, it's rare to be the opposite. But whenever it helps the storyline and it helps the narrative, it seems like it's pushed hard uh, and it just drives deep wedges between us. All right, your thoughts. Well, I think that, first of all, there is no all in anything. There are no all black people are bad, no all white people are good or bad. I think that with all of our races, we have the propensity to be bad. We have bad people that are white. We have bad teachers, bad preachers, bad leaders. We have bad in all aspects of our society. However, I think that there is a small percentage, I won't say small, I'll say there's a percentage of America that sees people different than they do. In other words, they don't see them as equal. They see them as less than. You know, I've said for so many years that how I see you will determine how I treat you and what I will do to you. See, if I see you as someone that is equal and someone that I love, I'll treat you in that, in that manner. If I see you as less than, I'll treat you in that manner. And I think that we've got to get to the point to where we see all people as equal and treat them fairly, regardless of the race, color, creed, because they saw him as a black man less than, so they treated him less than a person or a human being. And so... In our society, you know, everybody knows the history of this country. Um, we've had some rough times. We've had some divisive times. We've had some hate, a lot of isms in our time, in our history. And some of that has spilled over into 2020. And so what happens is you have a population or a small group or a percentage of the population that still engages in a lot of isms hate, racism, and a lot of other things that, that divide us. And until we move beyond that, we will always have incidents and situations that pop up and create a narrative like that that tends to divide us. We, we can no longer move in the vein like that. This society is moving so far in our country and this world is moving so far that we've got to stop letting race and things of that nature divide us. Economics divide us. We cannot move like that. You know, when you look at a rainbow and you talk about how beautiful the rainbow is, you can't pick one color out of that rainbow and say that color is beautiful uh, and other colors are not. It's the collage. It's the, it's, the, it's the whole idea of coming together, of those colors coming together that make the rainbow beautiful. And so we've got to learn to operate from that place and that space to realize that because I see you jogging does not mean that you're running from the scene of a crime because your pants are sagging a little bit. Don't mean that you are DB, a dope boy. It don't mean that you are into criminal activity. It just does not mean that, you know, 
culture change, pop cultures, so many things change and it has created so many different cultures within our society. So we, we've got to realize, can we talk about this? If there's something I don't understand about you, can we talk? If I see you running, you know, I'm not the police. How about I dial 911 if I suspect something and say, hey, there's a guy running. Uh, we had this and we had that and maybe someone needs to talk to him. But to roll up on him like that is, is, is senseless. And we've got to move away from that in our society. Yes. And, I, and you know, one, part of what I was trying to say, and maybe I'm not saying it well, or maybe it's not even accurate, but uh, is that sometimes our narrative and the storylines that get told very broadly across all different kinds of news areas and the different ways that we you know, share things across the Internet tend to do exactly the opposite of what you're saying. We're not making ourselves more of a rainbow. It's like we're pulling the colors out of the rainbow and throwing one over there and one color over there and one color over there and trying to make sure we keep those colors away from each other. Um, I mean, the truth is, I'm, I'm a white guy, and uh, if I step out of my house, and uh, or if I'm going to get murdered, there's about a 94% chance that if I get murdered, it'll be by a white guy or another white person. 94% chance. Uh, and I think it's true the other way around. I think if a black person steps out of their house, they're 94% more likely to be killed by another black person than by a white person. But when you hear the narratives as they're being told, it sounds like that's not the case. It sounds like if you're a black person, you can just expect to be killed by some white person because they're out there hunting you down and trying to kill you. I think it would be better if the storyline was, this is a horrible, horrible thing that happened. It's evil. Praise God, it's getting better in America. We're not seeing so much one race killing the other race like we used to. It'd be better if we didn't have anybody killing anybody. It'd be better if uh, white people weren't killing white people and black people weren't killing black people. But the truth is, it's extremely rare to have cross-race murders in our country. That might be a better storyline to talk about maybe we're moving in the right direction instead of acting like this is the norm. Because it's not the norm. Now, there may be a lot of other things that are racist going on. Obviously, there are. Do you, you know, believe, that, do you believe that racism exists I in our society? Strongly, I strongly believe it. And I think that there are horrible disparities that must be fixed. And uh, I, I, listen. I applaud you I for your truth. I applaud you for that. And you know me a little bit. And so you know the history of my own university here. Right. We're 75-year-old university. But for most of those 75 years, we were about 99% white. And today, we, we are almost a perfect match to America's demographics. So we didn't get here without some opposition. And uh, because there is a lot of built-in racism. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, question that even slightly. And I know over these next months, you and I are going to dig into a lot of that. Uh, all I'm saying is, it doesn't help any if the narrative is inaccurate or it comes across one way when it's really another way. I don't think that helps build relationships. I think it kind of drives wedges. When the narrative, it makes a lot of sense because when the narrative is inaccurate, you create a different direction for the history or for the course of that action. In other words, if an action takes place right now and we don't give the action or quote the action or state the action accurately, we've taken that whole action on a whole nother course. So for an example, if we continue down these negative roads 
and we don't accurately state that, hey, there is a problem in our society. Just like you said, you know, we can't say that racism doesn't racism does not exist. You stated it clearly and accurately that it exists. So now that we know that it exists, we need to go about how do we fix this? How do we address this? You know, we've got to learn to address some real issues in our society when it comes to race relations. We've got to address them, even though they may be difficult, because here's the thing. There are defining moments happening every day of our lives. Every day there's a defining moment that will shape the rest of our lives. So, for an example, that moment right there in Brunswick, Georgia, was a defining moment of how people will see Brunswick, Georgia. Yeah. And the luck- I came out here. Huh? Uh, I, I think I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just saying that there are, defi- uh, there are the defining moments in our life and in our society. They're happening every day. And those defining moments shape tomorrow. So for an example, as I was saying, is that that issue in Brunswick, Georgia, right, was a defining moment of how how they handled that situation will show the rest of the world, the rest of the country, the rest of the state, the rest of the United States, how they see Brunswick, Georgia. And thank God that the, S, the excuse me, I'm thinking the State Bureau Investigation, thank God that the GBI, the Georgia Bureau Investigation, stepped in and, you know, took control of the situation. Well, I, amen. Okay, but on the defining moment. Yes, sir. I wish we could find some defining moment among the more uh, that that somehow would define the more subtle realities to the race problems, uh, because you know I don't see murder from one race to the other being the issue. I don't. I don't. I just don't see that that's the issue because it doesn't happen very much. You're in law enforcement. You know it doesn't happen very much. Right. But the things that are hard. You know, it's easy to to sensationalize that. It grabs everybody's heartstrings. It, it does. Grasp it's horrible and you just can't get it out of your mind. So maybe in some ways it's good to let something like that be the defining moment. But most of the things I see in racism are a lot more subtle. They are about for an example, trying to buy, trying to buy a house in a neighborhood, but the, the people don't want you in the neighborhood. So they find quiet ways to keep you out. Uh, you know, that's hard. You, it's hard to get that in a defining moment. You know, there's, there's not going to be a big videotape of that very, very often. Um, the the things that you know allow one group to have great great and easy access to say the best education while another group seems to be excluded. Kind of hard to get a sensational video showing that. So the things that to me seem like that are the most detrimental and hurtful are the ones that are just never really addressed very much. They're kind of quietly taking place in the background. Whereas this thing that never happens very often, black on white or white on black violence. That makes the headlines, that makes the news, that gets everybody's attention when really it isn't the problem. That's not the problem. So I I, I get what you're saying, but when I say defining moment, a defining moment does not have to be something that sensationalizes. A defining moment could be a moment that you make a decision on something and that moment defines you. So for an example, you could do something or you could be faced with a, a situation where you have to address what you see is racism at a university or at your place. And you can look at that and you know, you know 
without a shadow of a doubt that there is an ism attached to this. And the defining moment could be whether you turn a blind eye, whether you address it. So the defining moment could be, it may never make the newspaper, but a defining moment could be you walking back to the registrar or the admissions office and say, hey, why are you not letting this, this student in? He or she has met the requirements. Why are you not? Why are you doing this? That's a defining moment because what you've done is you have defined who you are and you have changed the course of what would have been otherwise a, a, a blind eye or to allow that situation to exist. So defining, we have defining moments all the time, every day. There are situations. Right, that so I think you're, uh, I, I think we're getting to something here. So uh, what we would love is, is if everybody who uh, is in our circle of influence, those who even may listen to our program would look for those defining moments where they can actually take a, take some courage, step up, become the change. Uh, but I, but I was also, so I, I think that's the key for our program here today because all of us have moments where we get to make a little decision about something. Are you, I mean, I think I told you last time, uh, you know, being in a minority living in the West Indies, my experience of being in that restaurant and my wife and little girls are sitting there and they won't wait on us and everybody around is laughing and everybody knows what's going on. And I actually stopped the waitress a couple of times and she just smirks and walks off and never brings us a menu or anything else. You know what would have been beautiful? is if one person in that restaurant would have stood up and said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to let you treat these people that way. Exactly. But no, everybody just smirked. And even the ones who probably didn't like it just sort of looked down, looked away, whatever. But a defining moment in our world would be step up sometimes. You got to. You got to. That's the only way you're going to change the narrative. That's the only way you're going to change the direction of this of this society in this country is that when you see moments like that where you know something is wrong, you gotta you gotta choose to define that moment. How do you want that moment to be defined? Do you want to define that moment in your memory banks that I sat there and allowed someone to be disrespected and treated a certain way when I had the ability to say something? No. It's not right. Let me tell you something. I, t- I, I remember sitting in a restaurant years ago, years ago, and there was a black and white couple. In other words, there was a white gentleman and a black female sitting at a table. There was some black guys sitting across from them, right? And they right. were talking so loud and so rude to disrespect the girl and the guy, the girl mm-hmm. and the guy, right? I could have sat there and listened to that, to, excuse me, to that tomfoolery, right? I could have <laughs> I could have sat there and listened to that, right? And then my children were with me. Now, if my children would have saw me walk out of the restaurant and I'd address them, them gentlemen, then my children would have said, wow, my dad sit there and watched a little girl with her date it could have been a college interaction. It could have been something innocent. It does not matter. It could have been boyfriend, girlfriend. It does not matter. But if I would have sat there and allowed that to transpire like that and snickled and laughed at the comments that are being made, that was a defining moment for me. But no, what I did was I got up out of my seat and I said, listen, brothers, I said, listen, how you feel, we don't need to know. That ain't even necessary. That's disrespectful and that is rude. Now, to avoid me from getting involved from a law enforcement perspective, I prefer you guys either be quiet 
leave, you got a choice, right? I didn't have to do that, right? But to me, that was a defining moment to who Bobby is. That was a defining moment of who my children saw me as, right? That was a defining moment to what that young man and that girl saw and how they felt. And so what I'm wow. saying is that we have defining moments every day in our lives as it relates to wrong or right, racist, racism, black or white. The question is, when these wow. moments appear, how will you define who you are? How will you step up and address them? So my question is that, that when I first saw the video and I saw that what was happening, right? And I saw right. what was happening, that in my mind, in my mind, Somebody or someone should have said, hey, we've got to define who we are here. We've got to step up. This is wrong. This is wrong. Amen. The people should not have had to protest. The video should not have had to go viral for somebody to step up and say, hey, this is wrong. Because guess what? Amen. Somebody could have stepped up and said, you know what? I'm going to put these bracelets on you. We're going to charge you. Here it is. What it is. We're taking this to the grand jury and let's go get it. And, and, and made a statement that this type of behavior will not be tolerated, will not be tolerated in this hey, listen, part of the world. We are out of time. I actually think that's a really good place to leave this. And sure. I, you know, we, uh, we like to point people to Christ. And, you know, Christ made a career out of confronting those kinds of wrongs. And it actually got him nailed to a cross because those Pharisees and those religious leaders who were full of hypocrisy in these kinds of areas didn't like when somebody like that stepped up like you in that restaurant, you stepped up. Jesus always stepped up. And yeah, it got him nailed to a cross, but that that ended up being redemptive for the entire world. I think maybe a place to leave this would be, let us define some moments and step up and put a stop to a lot of this racist nonsense. I love that, Doc. You know what my mother used to say to me and say to her grandkids uh, when they were growing up and they're grown men now, she would always ask them, what would Jesus do? That's what That's she would tell question. them. What would Jesus do? So All anyway, right. well, I've enjoyed this, Doc. And as always, I love you. Love you, brother. Black and white, and, uh, can we just talk? You've been listening to Black and White, Can We Just Talk? from Piedmont International University, located in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Piedmont is a Christ-centered university committed to exceptional teaching, scholarly research, creative innovation, and professional collaboration. You can find out more at piedmontu.edu.